Tommy Lorenzo. And this is the Pop Style Opinion Fest. Hello, kittens. Welcome back to another edition of the PSO. I am the T in your T-Lo, Tom Fitzgerald. And I'm here with the Lo in your T-Lo, Lorenzo, my cousin, my lovely husband. Hello. How are you, lovely husband? Wonderful. We had a wonderful week. Crazy. A wonderful close to this week because um, I just want to... I I I tweeted something and then I immediately regretted it because it felt I know, like I'm, such I, a. I I have to say I was shocked you did it because you. It, it was such a drama queen thing. No, it wasn't a drama queen. It's just that you always get horrible reactions no matter what you write on Twitter. Well, we we're and, not okay. We have to yeah. clue people into what we're talking about. Um, I uh tweeted that I'm was celebrating that I am cancer free and let me and then of course everyone responded to it now I'm a little embarrassed which was sweet it was very much appreciated but um I don't want to make too big a deal of it but I said to Lorenzo I'm like you know I'm gonna bring this up for the podcast not because I am a drama queen but because if people are listening then I'm going to take the opportunity to let them know you know do a little public good here I had a skin cancer removed from my arm this week it's a it was a melanoma in situ it's a simple procedure to have it removed and um, then I went to an oncologist to have everything double checked to make sure that I am cancer free. But that was the extent of my cancer scare. It was not that big a deal. Um, and I have always joked with Lorenzo. Lorenzo thinks he's ever since we met, he always thought my freckles <laughs> were so hot. He, every summer, me. every summer he'd be like, oh, your freckles are so hot. And you know what? I'm very grateful that my husband thinks that I am hot. But I'm always like, yeah, to anyone who has freckles, it's not hot because it's pre-skin cancer. That's yeah, all I say. you're ruined for me. You're ruined for me. And um, it, it has, I'm Irish, I'm fair-skinned. It has run in my family. Several members of my family have had the same thing done. Um, but, and the only reason I'm telling them it's not to be a drama queen is to tell people out there, go get your weird little moles and freckles checked yes, because yes. that's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. I had a weird, dark freckle on my arm and I... To be honest, I was surprised when it came back that, that that it was cancer because I was very dismayed. I'm like, let me just get this. Let me check right, it off right. my list so I know that it's not what, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it turns out it was. Um, but, you know, get checked. Get checked when you see that shit. I, I was very dismissive about it, but I still managed to get it caught in time. And, you know, our healthcare system being what exactly. it is, I had to make this appointment four or five months ago. I know. Um, and also because we pay so much money for insurance, health insurance, that I was like, we have to use it. Go get checked. Yeah. So um, not not to be a drama queen. It was not really a big, terrible scare. I'm very lucky, very fortunate, and very privileged to have good health care. But yes, um, yes that's, this is my little PSA for the week. Go get that goofy little weird freckle checked. Because if you're noticing it, then it must be weird. Right. And, and also the, the fact and the idea that you have to understand that just because it doesn't look like a big deal f- to you, yeah. you know, you, you're not an expert. You're not a it's doctor. The, um, both the dermatologist and the oncologist were like, "So when did you notice this? This, you know, fra- it was like a little cornflake freckles. Right. But, you know, it's one of those ones that it's like all these freckles joined together." And I, I couldn't answer the question. I was like, I don't know. I just happened to look down sometime in the last six months, maybe, right. and I was like, "Wow, that's kind of dark and big." Um, and just lesson learned when when you're seeing something like that out of the corner of your you know your body something like that is right, right, you right. should get it checked so that's anyway. my little PSA for the week get it checked um, so I'm gonna have as as the um, surgeon said when he took it out he's like there there might be a little bit of a scar on your arm and I'm like you know what I'd much rather have a scar than have cancer so get it done that's my PSA for the week all right so this week it's a simple podcast. Um, 
we weren't even sure what we were going to talk about until literally like an hour and a half ago. And I was like, you know what? We have been watching West Side Story all week long. Everybody's gotten to see it or right. should have at this point because it's, it's more out. accessible. Let's put yeah, it this it's way. on HBO Max and on Disney Plus this week. And I really cannot. I mean, I actually texted people this week. I texted a friend and I texted family members. I'm like, it's de- it's out this week. I'm not kidding. It's a masterpiece. I would put it in Spielberg's top five of all time. Yes. No, I totally agree. Uh, <coughs> it 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 and it's inc- it's incredible. And and I love the original version. So do I. Um, you know, remember scenes, mm-hmm. dresses, everything about it, performances. So. I d- I'm not crazy about Steven Spielberg. I'm not going to lie. You, right. I know you went to film school. You have more respect <laughs> right. for him than I do. Um, I just, yeah, to me, he's not my top 10 directors. Let me put it this way. No, he's not mine. Uh, oh, God, he's not mine either. But listen, before we get into that, I did want to, um, let's do the TV stuff first, and then we'll oh, get right. into the okay. movie stuff. So let me just do a little intro here. Um, so we're going to do the back part of this con- of this podcast. Uh, we're going to talk about the costume design specifically of West Side Story by Academy Award-nominated costume designer Paul Taswell, who has a string of Broadway credits, very accomplished. And um, we thought it would be our hook and our excuse to talk about the film one more time, um, because the costume design is worthy of discussion. It is. And incredible. you know how we like to talk about costumes. But I um, before we get to that, uh, we each have a few TV shows that we've been watching separately from each other. So we're <laughs> each going to give our little book report. Uh, would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? No, I can go first. All um, right. So it's Pieces of Her, which dropped today on Netflix. Lorenzo yes, it's go. based on a, a novel by American author Karen Slaughter. Um, a lot of people read the book and, and it's a huge, you know, it's kind of a book that a lot of people talked about. Um, so they decided to do a TV series, uh, Netflix did. Um, I was excited about it because I'm a huge fan. I love Toni Collette, you know, like, yeah. I think she's amazing. Whatever so she do does, I think she's an incredible actor. Um, her performances are always the best. So I was excited about it. Um, it, it it's interesting because, uh, I didn't know much about it. I I didn't read the book. So I started watching it and I actually saw the thought that the uh, first episode was incredible. I was like, "Wow, I had no idea this was going to happen." Um but then it just fades away. It's just kind of like, you know, it it just doesn't get exciting anymore and then it's very much focused on the daughter because the daughter is on a search for the truth about her Who mother. Who is the daughter? Uh, what's her name? I forget. Um, Bella Heathcote. Um, so anyway, um, I it focused too much on her, I think, uh, and um, I don't know. It it she seems a little. I don't know. I didn't read the books, but the character. I think she's a little silly sometimes, and um, I don't know the points she she tries to make, and I don't know naive sometimes too much. I think. I don't know. Uh, I didn't like her character, and uh, most of the the whole series is pretty much her. Um, so I I wasn't interested after the second or the third episode. But I watched the whole thing because of Tony Collette, of course. She's incredible. Is, did she make it worth it? Or you I didn't so. really like it? You I, said you didn't I like didn't it. Didn't love it. I watched it. Uh, I would recommend it. Give it a shot. I always do. I always tell people to give it a shot. Watch 15 minutes, and then if you don't like it, turn it off. 
Um, I watched an episode and a half and I turned it off. I never went back to it. <laughs> there you go. It just didn't grab but me. But if you read the book, you might be interested. Um, or if you love Tony Collette, uh, give it a shot. Yep, um, absolutely. It, it's out today and um, on Netflix. Very good. Thank you, Lorenzo. You're welcome. Uh, that's Pieces of Her on Netflix with Tony Collette. All right. I am just going to return to Severance, which is um, on Apple TV+. Plus. I briefly spoke about it on this podcast before. And I was gave it a sort of recommendation, but now we're four episodes in. I'm like, oh, yes, no, this is a full-on recommendation. It's 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 a weird little show. Um, I, I'll just run down the premise of it again. It is um, set in the near future or maybe just in a current dystopian present where people who work for this huge, um, mysterious corporation uh, undergo a procedure called severance where um, for eight hours a day, uh, while they're working, one personality emerges, and then as soon as they leave work, they ha- they lose all their memories of work, and their real personality emerges. So it's this weird split thing. Um, and I had some reservations. I said before when we when I brought it up on this podcast that you know uh, sometimes when people who clearly have never worked in a corporate environment before make these cute little alleg- cutesy little allegory type you know stories right it, it just doesn't feel like it's based on anything real it just feels a little too fanciful like no one's really at no one really acts that way in an office you know that sort of thing it's just way too stylized and that is largely true uh, 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 that criticism still holds it's like well okay you do have to sort of go with this pseudo david lynchian take on corporate culture um, but it pays off. The story is starting to get really complicated, and um, each the each episode, the third and the fourth episode, each end on like a total cliffhanger. Well, now I need to know what happens next, kind of thing. Uh, the performances are kind of great. Adam Scott is a really underrated performer, and he's doing a lot of bizarre and complicated stuff in this role, and he's really, really great. But I also have to call out. Um, everyone knows John Tortora was a great actor. I'm not saying anything new here, but um, he, I don't want to give away too much, but there is this sort of pseudo office romance that's going on, this forbidden romance that he's a part of. And when he sees the other person, uh, the things as an actor that he does with his face, the way his Mm -hmm. face softens at the sight of this person, where it's, you just, you can tell he's in love, but you can also tell that he probably doesn't realize he's in love. Um, Anyway, um, and Patricia Arquette is in it, and she's great, and, you know, it's just, it's a very strange story. I don't know how well it's going to pay off, but it it is getting better and better with each episode. Are people talking about it? I don't read yeah, anything yeah. about and it. Yeah, yeah, and all the critics are saying the same thing. It's one of those shows where by the time it gets to the end of the season, everyone's going to be talking about it. People are going to slowly jump onto this, and I feel that that's correct because it is building and building and building. Um The other show I wanted to talk about just briefly was Star Trek Picard because, you know, that's a world and a character that's near and dear to my heart. We, uh, I recap most of the first season, got interrupted by our book tour um, at the time, but I did recap most of the first season, wrote an article for StarTrek.com on the costume design Mm -hmm. um, of the first season. So, you know, uh, the Star Trek world's always going to be... a near and dear to me and especially Picard and I forgave a lot there was a lot of flaws in the first season and I mean if I had to give it an overall grade it was at most a b minus I really can't say it was great 
Um, it had its moments, so and Patrick Stewart remains great in that role, um, and I appreciate that he is not trying to make him too much of an action figure. He's playing the character at something like ninety-four years of old age, and he is old. Um, he's not trying to youth, youth and youthify or whatever. I don't know what word I'm trying to use here, but you know what I mean. He's not trying to make the character seem younger. And last season, they ended with this very bizarre choice of having him wake up in an android body, which I'm not even getting into that. And clearly they didn't think it through because it's barely referenced in this second season opener. And I have a feeling they're going to try and walk away from this development as much as possible. Uh, anyway, so season two, episode one dropped yesterday. I was, my ass was itchy for, through the first 20 minutes of that episode because I'm like a lot of Star Trek, modern Star Trek right now, I think there's way too much of a um, talky feely kind of uh, approach to these characters. And uh, Trek works best when the characters are defined through their actions, not through long scenes mm-hmm. where they're talking about their feelings. And so there was all this stuff about why the 94-year-old Jean-Luc Picard hasn't found love in his life and whether he should find love in his life. And there's a flashback to his mother. So I guess it's his mother's fault that he hasn't found love. And I'm like, you know, of all the things I would love to see a Picard series explore, his relationship with his mother does not even rate in my top 100. And this is how the season opened. I was like, Jesus, this is going to be the theme. Um, not thrilled about that. However, um, the show, the episode rather briskly checks in on all the cast members from the first season. And I have to say, checking back in on them, um, I, it was great to see them again. And I realized that they actually had done a very good job of introducing a whole new supporting cast for him. And I actually did care about what they were doing right. in the you know time since we last saw them. So checking in on all of them and actually reuniting with some of them uh, was a good thing to see. Um, and I think most of the main cast from last season seemed to be all together by the end of this first episode, or at least half of them are. Uh, which means I don't think the problems of... Picard talking about his mother for 20 minutes is going to necessarily plague us going. We'll see. All I know is it's the Borg again and the Borg queen again. But I don't know. Like, it is his defining, you know, that and Q, who they brought back, are like his defining legacy as a character. So I I feel like, yeah, you kind of have to do one more Borg story, I guess. We'll see how that's going to go. It's great to see John Delancey back as Q. It was fun to see Whoopi Goldberg back as Guinan. In each instance, they kind of fudged why those characters aged when they weren't supposed to have aged at all. It's kind of a bullshit answer both times, but whatever. Um, I'm on board. I will, of course, watch it all the way through because it's my guy. It's Picard. I will absolutely. Right. I, I think if you love the character, uh, you, you'll you, forgive a lot. You forgive a lot, and you watch it anyway. Yeah. And I think it's also hard to bring something new to such an quote unquote old character. I mean, how much can you develop or change? Right. I. You know what? I'm not really that mad about the Borg thing. Um. I. I don't. I didn't read any other reviews, so I don't know if like the fans are annoyed that they brought the Borg back one more time. And the Borg Queen. I will say that they did it in a really interesting way. I've never seen the Borg act like that before. It was actually a little scary. Um, so we'll see. I'm not mad at it. Uh, I really hope they don't get too caught up in, you know, Picard's mommy issues. Because, God, that's 
First off, you're 94. If you haven't dealt with this by now, like I don't like to think of Picard as that <laughs> developmentally backward, like emotionally backwards. Oh and like at 94, he's suddenly dealing with his mommy issues and why he never found love. I don't. Mm, let's not do that. Um, but anyway, it's Patrick Stewart. It's Jean-Luc Picard. I can't hate that. That's my little TV report for the week. <laughs> Good. Um, so West Side Story. Yes. Which I have um, watched all the way through once this week, despite what Lorenzo tweeted earlier. That's not Listen, true. I, 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 I'm heard, all the I, way up front. No. And you all the way in the bag. All I hear every now and then is Rambo. It's Mambo. Mambo, whatever. Yeah. And all I, the time. I, all well, the time. You're hearing it in your head because I literally have only played yes. that scene twice. Yes. Twice. You're hearing it in your head. Hmm. Um. But it, um, we did sing the praises of West Side Story this uh, several months back, actually, when we first saw the screener. And I tweeted this week when we were tweeting the SAG Awards. I, um, oh, last weekend, a clip from the gym scene went viral and everyone was shocked because it is a, a stunning scene. And as I said on this podcast, I actually cried the first time I saw the, the gym scene because it right. was just so beautifully done. You cried too. Yes, it's it's an incredible scene. It's an incredible scene. Um, and that clip went viral and I tweeted later. I was like, I can't wait until West Side Story drops because so many clips and gifts are just going to go viral right. um, because there's just so much there. And I think, you know, it didn't do all that great in the theaters because it came out during the Omicron uh, spike. Um, and I think there was a lot, you know, just a tendency to dismiss it. But as more people discover it, I'm, I'm excited that more people are going to discover it. And if you haven't watched it, hopefully this podcast will convince you to watch it because it is worth your time. I mean, I wonder if you're someone who hates musicals, I wonder if you can, if it would change someone's you're, you're mind. You're talking to one right here. You've watched a lot of musicals, though. I yeah, but I don't. It, it's very hard to talk about musicals and explain why I hate them and I and why I watch them. Um, I think I watch them for a different reason. I think because I like the, I like old movies and mm-hmm. I like old sets and and costumes and I think that's why I watch musical. But if I, I don't know. And every now and then I like a performance. I like because you know I have a music background also. So every now and then I I listen to someone singing, singing and I'm like, oh my god, this is absolutely incredible. But it, but most of the time, you're just singing about doing laundry, and I it and to me it's just silly. That that's just how I feel, which is a very basic, very yeah. I'm not even <laughs> philistine. I'm not even gonna talk about. I'm not even how countering basic, that. How here's what not sophisticated take that is. But anyway, Spiel, Here's why I am in love with this film, Spielberg. Uh, there's been a lot of modern musicals. It's The musical has not died. It's it's actually been alive and well for a long... There's been at least four films released this year. The In the Heights and, and The Prom and Tick, Tick, Boom and West Side Story. There's right. been plenty of musicals released in the last year. Oh, and Dear Evan Hansen. That's five. Off the top. All of them major productions, several of them nominated for awards. We are not in a dead period for musicals. We're in, in some ways, we're in another golden age of musicals. However, uh, there's a lot about modern musicals that doesn't grab me. Um, mm-hmm. And this was true of The Prom. This was true of Dear Evan Hansen. And honestly, I know a lot of people loved In the Heights. I didn't. And I couldn't put my finger on why until I saw West Side Story, because it's it's almost impossible not to compare the two films, not, because, not necessarily because they're both um, Latinx New York communities, but they are shot on the streets of New York. Um, so there's a lot of similarities, but the style of both films are very different. And 
The reason I know we're supposed to be talking about the costumes, but I'll be blunt. It's just a reason to talk about we'll the talk film about all the over costumes. again. Yes, we will. But and this will all tie in together. I swear. Hang in there. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> the reason I love Spielberg's take is because he really understands how to do heightened realism without losing sight of realism. Uh, he's not an impressionistic or expressionistic uh, director. He's very literal. It's mm. probably his biggest drawback is that he's a very literal director. Um, but he does know how to bump up reality to the point where it's very heightened and mm -hmm. it's very, you know, the Indiana Jones movies were like that. We, exactly. You weren't supposed to take them as, you know, physics went out the window in those it's movies. It's almost, almost Logic. like a game. Exactly. Um, and it's sort of, it's it's what he did here. It's it's realistic in the sense that it's more out on the street. There is very few sound stages. Um, so it has much that depth that a mod modern film would have. You see for blocks um, when, you, you when the camera's more. out I mean, on the street. You tell me, but you can do more with a camera, right? Yes. You're outside. But at the same time, he is elevating it to, to something that is not meant to be taken as a realistic thing. Um and it's not a wink, wink, nudge, nudge kind of things. Cause, and that is some of what I had a problem with within the Heights is that it did not, it did not elevate the reality enough. If you're putting people on the street mm -hmm. or in a public pool, doing a big, big, big old school style musical number, something in the directing, in the art direction, in the color, the way you grade that scene. The, the reality should be heightened a little bit more. And Spielberg gets right. that and I, and I innately. Think there's like a fine line between musical as a movie and then sort of like borderline music video. And I think that's how I felt with the In the Heights. It felt more like I was watching YouTube videos, music well, uh, videos than, yeah, well, than a movie. Spiel but anyway. Spielberg's West Side Story is the textbook definition of cinematic. It's just, uh, there's so much depth to it. It fills every... It fills your vision in every, you know, right. all the way to the periphery and all the way to the back. And it fills your ear. Like, it's cinematic. It moves. Right. It's color. And this is how I'm getting back to Paul Taswell's costume design. When you think of the original film, the 1961 film... Um, like you think of the uh, Rita Moreno's America dress, which is just this pale lavender dress. And that that is a good metaphor or a good example, maybe a synecdoche. Ooh, I love when I use that correctly. For the entire approach to that film, which was more muted than you remember. Right. The, and that's very much in the in the aesthetic of the, the you know, mid-century yeah. aesthetic. Yeah. It's how films the, were color graded back then. So it's all a very muted right. color story. Uh, even though it was a very colorful one, the tones were all dialed They're way all, down. Yeah. No one, there's not a lot of like bright reds and bright oranges or anything like that. But what Paul Taswell did was exactly the, the opposite. opposite. Yes. Because you are dealing with high definition film and digital color grading, there's so much more you can do with color now than you could 60 years ago. And when, and I, I have to be honest here um, and admit to my, you know, I don't know if I was actually all that wrong, but when they were shooting on location and we covered the costumes, we did say, well, these don't look all that interesting. They don't look all that new. Right. Um, but when you see them on the screen, when you right. see the color grading on the are, screen. those are pictures taken by a photographer on the street. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a completely it's different. Yeah, when you buy, see yeah. how they look on film, right. how they were shot With on film. With everything else. It is new and it does feel new, but it feels 
so absolutely correct. There's nothing about it that doesn't feel like West Side Story, even though right. it doesn't look like the original film. I think the greatest contribution uh, here in terms of uh, Paul Tazewell's uh, work is that he has so much experience with, with dancers. He said that Shows. he has designed for so many dancers for Broadway, you know, all these musicals and he designed the costumes for Hamilton. For That's Hamilton his most and, recent. And, and so many others. And um, Louise. And yeah. yeah, there's a whole bunch of them. Um, so he has a lot of experience with that. So he brings that to this, this take, and in this case, a new take to a musical, right? right to a, you know, an old musical, right? Um, old movie. So I, I think that's an incredible contribution. Right. And then you can see, you can see, uh, and you, and it's interesting because he worked a lot with Steven Spielberg and I can't imagine Steven Spielberg not having an opinion well, about Well, he talked everything. about it and, and Spielberg had specific requests like he, right. about the costumes. Um, we'll get which to that, yeah. This tells you everything you need to know. I mean, this... This feeds into what we know about Spielberg as a director is that he's very hands-on. He has the entire vision of the film in his head. And um, he expects certain things executed for him. Uh, and, and saying that, that he expects things, I mean, he's the one who actually requested, uh, um, what's his name, Paul Tazewell, uh, because he knew his work, right. uh, especially his work on um, Hamilton. And he wanted him he, because he understood that he could, you know, he could do the job well. Right. Um, exactly. And one of the things he's, Paul Tazewell said in several interviews is that Spielberg specifically asked for Maria's white dress. Yes. Which we'll, is we'll, exactly. We'll get to the. Well, yeah, no, okay, go, go yeah. ahead. Uh-huh. Um, go ahead. <laughs> okay. Uh, which, um, when I first saw that, I was like, oh, okay. So it's exactly the same dress that uh, Natalie Wood wore in the, same, in the gym scene. But, you know, I, I saw an interview with him, with Tazewell, where he talked about the references to communion right. dresses and that sort right, of thing. Right. And, and it may seem um, a bit much to be putting a pure, quote-unquote, virginal character in white, but it actually does make sense for the scene. Um, and I did like the touch that uh, the red belt was actually came off of Anita's dress. Right. Um, and the original had a sash, right? It had a red sash, yeah. Which Anita does give her in the original right, film, right. but it, it, it didn't come from Anita's dress. Right, right. Um, and if you see in the same scene, Anita is wearing a, a black dress with a red accent. That So there's that tie between the two and characters. And I do like that it, if you think about the scene, it, you know, it, there's this idea of, of Maria being pure and, and innocent. Right. And she's wearing white. And Anita has more experience. And, and it's been burned so many times. She's just wearing a dark color. Right. And, but the belt unites them, as you said. Right. Um, and then she passes it on to uh, Maria. So, there's yeah, there's that sense of um, a sisterhood. And, yes. and you know... Uh, not to get too deep on it, but if you're going for the white equals virgin thing, then um, a red belt is, you could yeah. spin that out, spin that illusion out to womanhood. Um, so uh, there's all of that going on. Plus, um, like, as in the original film, um, Taswell had gang colors for each gang. Yeah. So the jets were all rendered in blues and grays and the, um, Sharks were all rendered in hot colors in yellows and oranges and reds. And some print too. Yeah. Uh, both both groups had print. <coughs> Pardon me. And that is one of the things that I, I did find interesting about uh, when you look at the gym scene. Because uh, it is the best scene to see all... It, like, yes. Everybody's in costume and every single costume is showing an allegiance to a group 
and in some sense saying something about those characters. Uh, like uh, Bernardo has, first off, he has a light color linen suit. It is not the kind of suit a, a New York-born man would own, but it is something a man from a Puerto from Puerto Rico would own. Right. It's basically a summer suit. But and he's also wearing a gold chain over his um, tie. The fact that he's wearing a tie at all, and Taswell talked about this about how the Puerto Rican characters, and this is where. Um, it's very smart for Steven Spielberg to bring a man of color in to make these decisions because he understood these things innately. That these characters, the Puerto Rican characters, all um, are actually dressed better than the white characters because of that need for respectability. Yes, that exactly, need to constantly exactly. show the best version. You exactly. have to be better than them. Yes. So Bernardo show shows up, up in anything. a tie. Yes. And he's got a gold chain hanging over his tie, and nobody, nobody on the jet side of the room is dressed like that at all. Yes, I, uh, if go you, ahead. If you watch interviews and or, or read interviews, um, Paul, you know Paul Tazewell, uh, he always talks about how important it is. And we, when we interview custom designers, they said the same thing: how important it is to respect the character, respect the culture. Right. Uh, and you see that a lot I'm yeah. here. I mean, you really see his work. Uh, respecting the Puerto Rican uh, culture and references and colors. Yeah. And you see it. One thing the you can see side by side when you do the gym scene, when you look at the gym scene, is that the um, the the shark ladies, the Puerto Rican women, are almost all in uh, very wide, full skirts with crinolines on the bottom so that they can move. And the other thing that I found really interesting, this was Spielberg's approach, was uh, especially during America, when they're out dancing in right. the street, and they're um, flapping their petticoats at the men and everything, he really cranks the sound up very, very high. It's right. very rare that you hear a costume during a dance number. Right. Um, and actually, I, I'm not naive. That was probably a, a Foley recording artist probably put that noise in later on. His, that probably wasn't recorded on the street. Uh, Spielberg probably asked right, for right. someone to make that noise and, and layer it right. over that scene. And that's such a great effect because the scene itself is so heightened and unrealistic but that noise actually grounds it there's a physicality to it and he's using the costumes to do that right right um so in the gym scene the the uh sharks the puerto rican women are almost uniformly in really full skirts and then you look over on the jet side of the room and it's how things were different there's right a lot more pencil skirts, a lot yes. more slit yes. skirts yes. on yes. that side of the room. And in all the talk of the film, um, people are talking about, obviously, Ariana DeBose, who just won the SAG Award and probably is going to win the Oscar. And Mike Faced, who plays Riff and who should have gotten nominated because he's amazing yes. in it. But um, I just want to do a shout out to Maddie Ziegler, who plays Velma. Uh, Riff's girlfriend, and she's great in it. She's she has maybe yeah. one line or two, but Spielberg is very good at, at giving direction to these background characters so that they have right, entire right. arcs to them, and she actually does have this totally unspoken arc. Um, but I also want to point out her dancing is phenomenal. She doesn't get she's the moments yeah. that Ariana DeBose gets. Right. Where um, Ariana DeBose basically gets two solos to herself. Um, but when you see her, she's in a teal... Um, it's like a slim line. It's all body conscious dress with a with a slit, and she's got a blonde wig on, and you can't take your. She pops out in the scene, and part of that is down to costume. Um, and one more thing I want to say about the gym scene is that um, the choreography works so well with these costumes in a lot of ways because one of the th most interesting things Justin Peck took the original Jerome Robbins choreography and tweaked it and in some ways did entirely new things but he never 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 seems to lose sight of the original choreography right 
And one thing that I love that he did, because I've always said this, I'm sorry, I don't want to offend anyone out there, but I never thought the ballet moves worked all that well in the original film. When they're walk, when these are gang members walking down the street and they're literally pirouetting, I'm like, mm, it doesn't work. It right. works on, on a stage, but it doesn't, it never worked on film. And he kept all the ballet moves um, but he made them all m- way more aggressive. Right. So they end with them trying to throw punches. And it's the same thing when he, I'm bringing this up here because in the gym scene, Spielberg is very clear that the women are just as likely to get into a fight as the men are. Right. There's several instances where the men pick the women up and they kick. They, they almost knock people over with their kicks. There's points where the women are in the foreground and they're going after each other, um, which is... A great commentary about how deep this this anger this goes in the, in that neighborhood, but it's also a great again a great use of those costumes. The way that that you know a slit skirt can be made into something that becomes an act of violence, or the way that you right. you flap a petticoat at someone and the noise is so loud that it roots you in a physical space. And again, bring his experience as as a costume designer designing for so many dancers uh, in New York, Broadway, because you know what to do, you know right. what, what fabrics to pick, you know what cut the fitting, right. you know the fit and all that. Um, it, you, you think about all these things. And it, they're phenomenal. I mean, when um, Anita is dancing and she's wearing that incredible yellow dress. That's I, for the American number, which yeah. just only barely touched on. Go ahead. Which is an incredible dress. and, and he, With red crinolines. And Paul Tatswell, again, he talks about how iconic the original dress from the original movie is. Right. Um, everyone talks about that dress, the purple dress. But... To me, this is just as iconic. I cannot, iconic. I cannot think about this version of West Side Story and not think about the dress. I agree. That yellow dress is just absolutely stunning. It looks incredible on her. Yeah. He talks about how his idea, his concept for that dress, which is pretty much he kept thinking about Anita as a seamstress interested in fashion. Right. So he wanted to create a dress that kind of represented that, um, that idea of fashion, of trend, uh, that she is aware of yeah. the trends of that she wants she does something more right. interesting. Uh, in it terms has a of really style. interesting um, shoulder yes, detail, yes. very sort of traditionally feminine sort of detail to and it. And because it was a scene outside this time, right. um, he wanted to do something very bright, and, and the yellow, according to him, represented this the sunshine, the, the the light, the day, the beautiful light, you know, outside. It may seem like a cliche to. Um, to go with tropical colors for Puerto Rican characters, but it does draw a huge distinction between them and the uh, yes. white characters. The scene, the the um, American number turns into a huge block party scene in the middle of the street with like a hundred people dancing, and the camera pulls back, and it's all in shades of red and orange and yellow. Um, and it's done in such a masterful way that it never looks too matchy. It's just matchy enough that the reality of it is heightened, but not so matchy that it looks like right, everyone's right. in a costume. Right, right. And that is brilliant, brilliant, brilliant costume design. Um, the only other thing I'll note is that, again, he put the um, the, the sharks in uh, tones of blue and gray. Uh, if there's a defining uh, characteristic that those characters have, it's that they're, they tend to wear um, undershirts with like work work shirts over them it's supposed to give a very literal almost literal blue collar effect to that to it um uh and when you compare them to the um shark men like bernardo wears these very very high-waisted pleated pants and his clothes are rendered in in blacks and reds and he at one 
when the rumble starts, he's in a sleeveless red t-shirt. Right, right. Um, so it's just these distinctions, the, the, uh, the distinction of uh, poor, formerly working class white people and uh, Puerto Rican immigrants who are trying to look as respectably middle class as possible. And at the same time, there's this cool versus hot thing. And again, I, it might seem um, a little too obvious and a little too cliche but to put, say, the, the people from Puerto Rico in tropical colors, but the white boys all get a song called Cool. Right. And that entire scene is shot in literal cool shades of blue, and every single boy in that scene is wearing blue. So again, the, it's this point where the cinematography, the lyrics, and the costume designer are all working in service to each other to tell this perfectly um, heightened version of a story. Right. I, I can't imagine being a, a costume designer having to design for a movie like this. I mean, it, it's so... Intimidating. Intimidating. Yeah. Because everyone has... I mean, you have your... You you have every image of yeah. the uh, original movie in your head. I mean, and, you, you know, it's very hard to embrace something new and different. And he did such a phenomenal job. He... I read interviews uh, where he talked about uh, designing for Rena Moreno's character and how... She suggested that put her in pants. Put yeah, to that the character should wear pants. Yeah, uh, because she's literally wearing not literally but clearly, it's it's kind of an homage and representing her husband. She's wearing the pants now, and, right. and you know they wanted to avoid um, because Rita Moreno is ninety years old. Right, they wanted to avoid dressing her the way a woman like that age would have yeah. dressed back right, then, right. which would have made her look very elderly. So. They put her in vests. They put her in work shirts. It was very, very clever. It looks appropriate, but it establishes that she's not, um, that she is in the neighborhood. She is part of that neighborhood. Right. And once again, I just, because we like costumes so much, and I'm, I, I just love when people talk about the costumes and how much work they put into it and their inspirations. He talks about going through a ton of pictures and photographs from, yeah. from the um, 50s of New York scenes and the people. um the black dress that anita wears to the gym was inspired by a dress that elizabeth taylor once wore in right. the 1950s and i also want to shout out one final scene um is the i feel pretty scene which again uh spielberg did a spectacular job of restaging that scene and having it make more sense um as to why a puerto rican teenage girl would be singing these lyrics and um it was state that she's a cleaning woman in Gimbel's. She works. On, I know she I works know. on the cleaning staff, which is all Hispanic women, and they're all dressed in these pink work shifts. That was brilliant. So um, it becomes this yeah. this adorable sort of dance number where they're all in pink together, and it actually works and serve beautifully in service to the song. Uh, just a very simple costume choice, but it pops. It's a very, very cinematic moment on and screen. And a more realistic scene, you know. It's both realistic yeah. and it has that heightened sense. Because right. how do you do a scene where every woman is wearing pink? Well, their work uniforms are pink. That's how you do it. Um, and it was it's so much... I, I, I hate to compare things to the original film, which stands on its own and is a classic, but this version of I Feel Pretty is actually staged right. much, much better than the original version, and the costumes are very much in service right, to right. that. Very cleverly so. Yeah, I, I heard, I read so many people saying, you know, I don't need to watch or see the new one. Yes, you new do. New version, because I love the old version, and that's all I need. But I, I'm telling you, give it a shot. It's a beautiful version. I, I, in my opinion, the 
dance numbers are far better. Um, I hate to say that. I don't want to say better. I, I just want to say... I, I, I would say better, yes. I think they had more freedom to do, to move more, to do more things. I think they're kind of restrained a little in the original version. Yes, very much so. Uh, that's that's my, my comparison. Uh, not that they weren't great. They were right. fantastic. But I feel like um, things have changed in terms of dance. Right. Um, uh, you know, in terms of movement, how people danced and and you know expressed himself through not only that but uh, the film has managed to find things in the story and i did want to bring again the costume design up here with the character of anybody's which is uh in the original film anybody's was what we would have called a tomboy right um and she and i'm calling her she because she was a she had a pair of tight little jeans and cute little sneakers and a tucked in little t-shirt um and it was all very very clear that she was feminine and female and femme presenting in the new version, Anybody's is very clearly a trans man, even though mm-hmm. that word is not used because it wouldn't have been used. And Anybody's is dressed as a man. Right. Anybody's is not dressed as a tomboy in a cuter version of a male outfit. Anybody's is dressed as a man. And that's very clear in the gym scene when he's wearing um, a blazer and he's trying to pick up women. Um, that's what, what the film does that the perhaps the original film couldn't do. It unearths right. these truths in these characters that may, that you know you couldn't unearth in 1961. Um, it allows for Afro Latinx representation on the screen, and you know Bernardo and and um, and uh, uh, Anita are Afro Latinx characters, and it's it just totally changes a story a, a, a number like America when you see these range of skin tones out on the street. Dancing this number. I, I mean, in opposition to the original film, which hardly cast any Latinx actors at all, except for Rita Moreno. So I hate. I hesitate to say the film is better because I don't want it, to... It's not a competition. They no, are both, I wouldn't say the They are both better. masterpieces in their own way. Right. One is a masterpiece for 1961, and the other one is a masterpiece for 2021. Right. And with all of that entails our understanding of ethnic and and maybe gender representation um the the um advances in film technology and and display technology and the sound my god the sound you have to watch a gym scene and you have to crank that music up as loud as it'll go because (laughs) it's insane what he does what he does with that orchestra so i know this was a this was mostly about costume design, but it was really just an excuse to talk about the film. Do you have anything you want to add? No, I just I just want to clarify that I don't think it's a better movie. I think the dance movements are better. That's just my opinion. Right. Because, uh, and I'll explain why, because I think they have more freedom to express themselves through dance. I think um, the sense of violence in the dance, in the choreography, is just enriches it so much. Like I said, the way it allows the women to be violent with each other, right? Uh, which is tracks for everything you know about gangs right, right. and and how um women and gangs act um so all of the, it it is it's it has more depth than the original film was allowed to have right right and it explores thing that things that the original film wasn't really equipped to explore not least of which is how racist this all is right um in terms of costume i just want to say we talk so much about costume and i don't and i see a lot of conversation out there magazines and newspapers they're already interviewing costume designers now and 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 so on and i think it's great i and you know you might get exhausted and i every now and then i read someone say well but i don't want to be paying attention to costumes i want to watch the movie or watch the tv show and i think that's a valid criticism um you don't have to you know 
kind of forget the movie, forget the the TV show, and and just focus on the costume. But every now and then, take a look at them and and then think, just appreciate. Them. Just you appreciate. Don't have to them. Yes, them. you don't have to analyze them, but appreciate them for what they are. Right. Like if you watch West Side Story, I can't imagine no one looking at that yellow dress and not for a split second going like wow what a dress right um that's all that's right. all and you know and if you're interested go in and read us and some other people will tell you all about <laughs> it but really if you haven't seen it that go watch west side story this weekend it is a masterpiece we love it and i think that is it for us yeah, this week yes. so and until i'll next... have to watch it again yes um with the sound cranked up so until next week when we come back with whatever crosses our eyes or crosses our desk take care of yourself love you mean it bye-bye Bye.